Hey guys, and welcome to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra, and we're two Catholic moms with 10 kids between us, living right across the street from one another, living an authentic life, or attempting to, and wanting to invite you into it. So, if you have been Catholic your whole life, or you're not Catholic at all, maybe you're one of our Protestant brothers and sisters, or maybe you've never heard of Jesus before, this is a place for you, and you belong here. God has put this podcast on our hearts, with your heart specifically in mind. We're going to bring you stories of how He has moved, so that you can have hope that He can move in your life too. Hey guys, and welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan, and this week, you guys, we have one of my absolute favorite people in the entire world on this podcast. Mary Lineberg is here with us today, and she is one of my top five favorite Catholic speakers of all time. And that's a big thing to say because I've seen a lot of really good speakers, but the first time I saw Mary was three years ago at a Blessed Is She event in Austin, and I didn't know who she was. I'd never heard her name. And we were sitting there, it was the night, the last talk of the night, which if you guys have ever been to retreat, you know that's the hard-hitting one, right? And it was the time where we had adoration with the Blessed Sacrament and Jesus was present. And she gave the most beautiful witness of heartache and sorrow and joy that I've ever heard. And I bawled my eyes out. I cried and cried and cried. And then afterwards, we took a picture with Jenna Gizar, the founder of Blessed Is She?, And would you believe they put that picture on the website for Blessed Is She for an entire year after that with my adoration, dark, crying eyes. It was, you know, if you guys, I always cry at adoration. So afterwards, I will always have black marks down my face. (laughs) Please don't put me on the internet. Anyways, it was the most beautiful night. And from that moment on, I have just loved watching her and um, hearing how she has ministered to others. So a couple of things about this podcast Little disclaimers here. One, we talk about some really deep things. This is not one you want to listen to with your children in the room. She talks about um, pornography and deep struggles in her marriage and how Christ redeemed them. It's a beautiful story, but not one we want little ears to hear right now. Also, Kendra and I used a new way of recording because Mary lives in Virginia and we live in Texas. And this new system goes through the internet, and there's a little bit of a lag on Kendra and I and our audio. But good news, for some reason, when we were listening to Mary's story, it shook us both so deeply that the Lord just shut our mouths, and you don't hear from us very much, so you can't really tell that our audio is a little bit behind hers, because mainly we just let her do the talking, and man, does she blow it away. Um, She just knocked it out of the park. I found myself thinking when I was listening to her tell her story, man, any one of these things would be enough to just take someone down. Um, The amount of difficulty that she went through and the way that throughout it all, she actually found the Lord. She, She discovered him. She discovered his goodness and his love while she was in the depths is just amazing. And it gave me hope for whatever we're dealing with that God is still good and we can make it through it. Also, she gave us such a beautiful testimony that it took longer than our normal podcast would last, so you are in for a treat. You get two weeks with Mary Lineberg. On this episode, she talks mainly about 
her daughter Courtney and her marriage and her family and how that affected them and how God redeemed her marriage. And next week we get to hear more about the fantastic story of when she took Courtney to Lourdes. You won't want to miss it. Okay, I hope you enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the His Beloved of Texas podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Kendra. And we have the most fun guest today. Mary Lineberg is with us. And if you haven't gotten a chance to hear her story or see her live, you are missing out. She is full of energy and full of love and full of the Holy Spirit. Um, she has such a fantastic story and it changed my life when I got to hear it. I guess it was three years ago, um, right before my daughter got her diagnosis. I got to hear from Mary and um, just... It, it's beautiful, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it, but not yet. So. Yes. So in good old His Beloved of Texas fashion, we want to get to know Mary. Well, yes. We've gotten to meet her and know her, but we want to share everything Mary with you because she is a gem in this world for sure. So we're going to ask her some fun questions. Should we have her introduce herself first? Oh, yeah. Do you want to intro yourself, Mary? Tell us who you are. I was just enjoying I'm like, okay, this is fun. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> She hasn't said anything yet. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay, hi. Uh, so I'm Mary Lenneberg. It is an absolute delight to be with you both. Um, yeah, I think it was three years ago at um, when I first met you, uh, Megan. And gosh, and then a year ago with uh, Be Brave and the Scared being published and being in Texas. Mm -hmm. and, and you guys were just starting your ministry, which was so beautiful. Um, but mm -hmm. I am a wife of Jerry for 32 years. Um, I'm Courtney and Jonathan's mom. And two other souls that we didn't get to hold. Um, mm -hmm. And I live in Fairfax, Virginia, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. And have for the last 20-something years. But um, gosh, I'm a speaker and a writer and a beauty counter consultant and <laughs> all kinds of things <laughs> I do in my life. But um, primarily, I'm a mom. And I had the great privilege and honor of walking my daughter, Courtney, who had severe special needs, um, through the 22 years of her life, this side of heaven. So, um, she's been now with the Lord. Um, it'll be six years in December. So we've been through a lot and my marriage has been through a lot. And, um, I've had the privilege of writing now two books and, uh, the second one comes out in March. The first one is called be brave and the scared. The second is called be bold and the broken. And, um, God just isn't done with me yet. He keeps remolding and reshaping and renewing and, um, pushing me out into different places where I never thought I would be. And it's just a great joy to do his work. So, yeah. That's wonderful. So about a year ago when her first book came out, we were just starting our ministry. Actually, we weren't even a ministry at the time. We were just doing one event because yeah. our, our friend Leanna said we should do a worship night. So the week of the worship night, Catherine Whitaker emails Kendra and said, Hey, would you guys like to put on a book launch party for Mary Lindenberg? And Kendra asks me and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And she says, it's two days before our worship night. I'm like, I don't care. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> like this is, this is happening. And then it was so fun because I have always been such a big fan of yours. And it was so fun uh, because I had noticed on Instagram a couple of days before you were, it was the day of your book launch and someone, I guess it was Jerry brought you balloons. Yes. And um, cake. And you were like, I love balloons. I love cake. Flowers. This is wonderful. And so I was like, Kendra, let's get balloons and cake and flowers. And do you remember we searched all over the place for balloons? Yes. And there was a helium shortage. A helium in shortage. All of Austin. 
Which I didn't even know was possible. Me neither. I know, kind of like the coin shortage of 2020. Yeah, like who knew? Dr. Pepper shortage. There's so many shortages. I didn't even know what happened. So we looked everywhere and we couldn't find it. And so we just instead settled on making you a cake. The cake was so beautiful. I cried. I like cried. It was (laughs) the cover of my book. It was so beautiful. And I looked, I had the great privilege of having my husband with me on that part of the book tour. And he was like, he just was dumbfounded. He's like, they made you a cake that looks like your book. I'm like, I know that is like love. And they've never, you know, I've met them once. I met one of you once and I was like, they don't know me. They made me a cake. I just felt so loved. It was so beautiful. It was fun. Kendra and I, our love language is sweets. Yes. yes. <laughs> she makes cookies. I make cookies. And I am we happy. Love and sweets. <laughs> I'm happy to be on the receiving end of that. Thank you. What was, what was funny is I didn't realize on that cake, I put blue frosting and yellow frosting and it turned green. It was, and I didn't think about that. Like <laughs> kindergarten true. art class. I didn't. But it still looked amazing. It did. It, it looked glossy. amazing. It had, oh my gosh. And it tasted even better. It was just great. It was awesome. Oh, her was, cake is, her cake is a die for. Anytime my kids have a birthday party, I'm like, so you want cake, right? Great. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we swap. We make them for each yeah, other. Yeah, Okay, cool. All right, so we start start our questions. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Let's, let's dive in. So, well, first of all, this isn't really that funny of a question, but I love fall, and I am so curious what is happening up there. Okay, well, I if right you now. love fall, I love fall more. So let's. Well, let's you decorated go. before me. I know. I saw that you decorated, and I was like, "This is my favorite season." Too. Um, it's my favorite <laughs> season. Because um, when we live basically over a swamp, so uh, Washington DC back in the day was literally a swamp before we built on top of it. So it's very humid and sticky. It's not, it doesn't get like Texas hot, but the humidity will like knock you out. And so at the beginning Mm. of September, you begin to feel the change. And right now we are about a week away from peak on leaves changing. We have the crispness in the air. Everything is apples wow. and pumpkins and, you know, everybody's got their fireplaces on at night. So you walk, uh, take a walk after dinner and you can wow. smell the burning wood and you just know like, oh my gosh, here we go. Thanksgiving is coming. And then my favorite holiday, which is Christmas <laughs> because I love all the things Christmas. So I, um, yeah. I actually decorate my home for fall drives my husband crazy. Cause he's like, you decorate for Christmas and that's it. And I'm like, no. You should know this about no. me. No. In 32 years of marriage, I decorate for all seasons. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really pay attention to summer because it is my least favorite season. Um, spring is lovely, but then it starts getting hot and I get cranky. So, yeah. <laughs> Catherine keeps getting me, to, awesome. you know, she's like, you really need to move to Austin. I'm like, too hot. Sorry. Love you. <laughs> but that's a no. I was gonna say it's gonna be a while before we can start using fireplaces. Like that's yeah, that, that's, I know that just sounds dreamy. Oh my we have goodness. a little bit of breeze blowing, and we're like, oh, let's go. <laughs> There's wind outside. Oh yeah, it gets down right now at night. It's getting down into the 40s. Oh, it's wow. just awesome. It's good sleeping wow. weather. I love it. We'll see you soon. We're booking. There you flight. go. Yeah, I think tomorrow in Austin the high is 95. That's a no. It's yeah, not that's that hot not right fall. now. That's like summer. <laughs> I know. That's confused. That's not fall. Like it was fall for a little bit. Now summer's coming back. We have to push it away. Anyways. Okay. So let's see what else I want to know. So you have a bunch of brothers, right? Yes, I have six brothers. How many? Six brothers. And you have a sister too. So Mm -hmm. are there eight of you? There are eight of us. Okay. 
Okay. So I want to know what is the craziest thing your brothers did growing up that either they got away with or that they got caught for? Well, the funny thing about that is my brothers weren't as crazy as I was. So um, I'm number two. I'm number two of eight. So I have an older brother and then uh, myself and then six, uh, five brothers and my sister. So the craziest thing that I remember when we were little, and when I say little, I mean in elementary school, was we lived in a a home that had a basement, right? And so my brother's bedroom was basically two stories up. Now, one window was two stories, and then the side window was only one story. It was a quick drop on the side because we lived, like, it was built into sort of a little bit of a hill. And so Mm -hmm. one afternoon, because we're so brilliant, we decided that it would be great to be paratroopers. And so we opened (laughs) up the window above my brother's bunk bed, and we took the sheets and we jumped out of a two-story window and all of our pillows oh were on the ground, right? And we're like nine, 10 years old, seven, eight, nine. The, it was the four older, the four of the four, the first four, because we were eight, eight kids in 10 years. So it's one, two, three, four, skip a year, oh, wow. five, wow. six, skip a year, seven, eight. My mother is a freaking saint. So anyways, she and yeah. my dad wanted eight kids. They went and had eight kids. So we were jumping and playing paratrooper and my mom kept hearing the front door close and us running to the bedroom, but she never saw us running out of the bedroom. And so (laughs) this confounded her and I will never forget. She walked into the room as my brother, Tim was jumping out the window and we were all down laughing and kafawing and come on, Tim, you know, jump. And my mother screamed <laughs> like, oh my like somebody was going to die. And we all knew we had, ha- we were just done for. And so we, but- she had to, we had to do our own laundry. I had, I think I got bathroom duty with six boys. That's gross. I had bathroom duty for like <laughs> six weeks. We all got, I mean, there, we, this was in the time when, you know, spanking was an option. And so we all had to wait for my dad to come home. My dad had a rule that if he spanked you, it was three spanks, father, son, and Holy Ghost. Good Irishman that he was. Oh my goodness. And then, you you know, we had, oh my gosh, we had so many chores. It was, but that's the, I think that was the craziest thing we ever did. But, but no one went to the hospital. No one went to the hospital for that. We all went to the hospital for different things, but not for that one. Not for that no. one. My kids, I think they break a bone about every three months. Or so. You know, it's, <laughs> mine would never have survived. I think that. my brother David was the first one to break a bone, and he was in high school, and he was out playing soccer in the backyard with my dad and my brothers, and my father landed on him wrong, and he broke his arm. Oh, David, oh, he milked painful. that forever. <laughs> we were all like, "Get over it. It's what happened. Suck it up, Buttercup. Come on, you know." No, he was like, every time he, he would just groan and my father would be like, what do you need? You know, it was bad. <laughs> I love that so much. That's awesome. Oh, that's great. Um, so you have such a fun personality. I love watching on Instagram, your little vegetable <laughs> filters. <laughs> I just watched that today. So that's funny. so funny. I love my veggies. Um, so my question is, if you were running for president, what attribute? would help you get elected? Oh gosh. First of all, who would ever want to run for president? <laughs> That's just my, my, the worst my, job ever. my ego couldn't take that. Um, gosh, what <laughs> attribute? Okay. So I just took the strength builders thing, the Clifton strength finders. This was fascinating for me. So my top three are, um, positivity, 
strategic and then woo. And I thought as a Catholic, I'm like, woo, like, did I just take some new age tests? Like, what is woo? What is it's woo? winning others over. Oh, and so I thought it was like, yeah, exactly. And I was like, what do I do? Do I have to go to confession for this? What do I do? And no, it's winning others. Winning over. others so over. I'm all about the, my, the, the top five strengths I have are, are, are three of them are relationship building. So really, if I were running mm-hmm. for president, what would, would make me a great candidate is I'm very positive. I live in the land of hope, even though I've been through a lot mm-hmm. of things that you would think I wouldn't. Um, I get excited about other people and their gifts and their talents and where God is leading them. I'm a great cheerleader, um, which is why I love being a mentor to people in my business. And, um, I think that would help me. And I'm very honest. I'm not afraid to tell you, you know, that you're, you're doing something wrong and you really need to get right with Jesus. So I pretty much, (laughs) what a good answer. (laughs) That's what I think. I think if Kendra asked me that question, I wouldn't have had an answer. You might have two write-ins. November 3rd. And you have a lot of joy, even through really hard times. Yeah. You just, even when you tell your story, the thing I love about it is it's a, it's a hard story. And so there are tears and laughter and tears and laughter and tears and laughter. And you just go back and forth and you're laughing and crying. Like there's but just, that's life, you have so right? much joy. That's life. That's life. Sorrow and with joy. You give that to all of us. Yeah. I love it. Okay. This is my new favorite question. If you could escape COVID and pretend like COVID doesn't exist, what fun thing would you want to do? If you could just do anything in the whole world or at home or back in your normal life, things we used to do that now we can't. What would I would go and get takeout from my favorite restaurant and I'd head to the beach and I would mm. just be oh. there. And then I would spend the weekend there with my husband and there would be room service, which doesn't exist in any hotel right <laughs> now. There would be all of our favorite restaurants on the boardwalk, but we would take, we would take our favorite food. And we would go to a favorite place and there would be no math involved. Right. Just vacations in general. Get away. Someday we'll go back. Like to have those little special little things that you don't get all the time, like room service, like let's go out for a meal, Mm -hmm. like, you know, let's look at other people and smile and oh my gosh, I can see them smiling because they're not wearing a mask. That would be lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, has, you know, throughout all this COVID stuff, we've lost a lot, right? We've had to Mm. mourn quite a bit of normal. Um, But what's been a blessing of it? Oh, for for us? Oh gosh. For me, the blessing has been, and I know it's the worst part. It's, it's how, it's how it works in my mind. It's the worst part of COVID and it was the best part of COVID. Um, It's everything stopped. Everything stopped. Mm. And for the first two weeks, I thought I was on vacation And then on week three, it sort of all landed on me. And because I'm a speaker and a writer, I had all these retreats to do Mm -hmm. and all of these places to go. And it all just disappeared. Like it all went away. Mm -hmm. And it was scary, like business wise, like in your mind and ministry wise, like, what do we do? How do we do this? And then when Mm -hmm. they shut down the churches, it got scarier for me. And what that Mm -hmm. made me do was actually sit down. And I don't sit down very long. (laughs) but sit down and actually mm-hmm. think about my life. Like when the doors opened again, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Who do I want to be with? Because at that point in March, I had just come off of um, the genius conference and it was literally, mm-hmm. I flew back in on Sunday and by the following Saturday, everything shut down. So 
you know, yeah. we, we saw it coming and, and we didn't know it was going to happen. And then boom, it was, it was done. And so it was very sudden. And it just made me really think about like, when we get to open up the doors, I want to go to church. I want to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I want mm-hmm. to spend time with my dear friends who I have built relationship with over 20 years. And in the busyness of launching a book and writing a second book and going out and doing this thing that I never thought I'd, I'd be doing, um, I'd let some of those relationships kind of come to a place of sort of um, midline, right? There, I wasn't investing too much in it, but it wasn't completely mm-hmm. gone. And so I needed to, I, I wanted to revive them, right? And spend time with these people who I love dearly. Um, and I wasn't taking the time to do. There were other people in my life that I had spent time with, but were not the best for me. We're not bringing out the, the best in me. And it, it was like a chore to be with them. And therefore I was like, I don't need that anymore. And it's okay if they don't like mm-hmm. me. It's okay if they, they, you know, I just, they, that's not necessary. And so it really gave me clarity on my time. It also gave me clarity on what God was asking of me. Um, you know, to write a second book, I wrote a second book during COVID and, um, (laughs) you know, and now I'm, I'm writing a proposal for a third and he really clarified, okay, you were doing all of this and that's great, but you can't do everything. And you need to start bringing in that wide scope you have. I'm a big dreamer. I'm like, let's go, let's go. And my husband's like one (laughs) thing at a time. And to kind of yeah, Kendra and I know what that's like. Exactly, you know, and, <laughs> we're we're big dreamers and, too. And brought me back into okay. These are my three lanes of traffic. You know, my yeah. beauty counter business, my my books, mm-hmm. um, and my speaking. These are your three lanes of traffic. Okay, Mary, now w- go where I need you to go and do as I have asked you to do. And then the third thing it's brought to me is this beautiful, awesome rejuvenation of family life. I had been on the road for like seven months at that point, seven, eight months. I wasn't cooking dinner. I wasn't really taking care of my home like I used to. Um, I hadn't seen my son who happens to live here still. And, you know, is, is, Uh is a grown man and has his own job, but he just lives at home. And I hadn't really spent time with my husband. And so we found ourselves literally staring at each other at dinnertime going, hi, how are you? And I know this time with our son is, is short because, you know, he's, I'm sure in the next year, he's in a serious relationship and things are moving in a beautiful direction. And so I know it's going to change and it's going to shift and it's going to be Jerry and I, and we need to be in a place where we appreciate one another and it's fun to be together. Mm -hmm. We need to remind ourselves of why we fell in love and why I think he's cute and why he thinks I'm cute and why this is a good thing. And so God gave us that time to do that. And we got to, to actually dream together and um, really listen to one another and where we think God is calling each other and where he's calling our family. And so the blessings for me have very much outweighed the destruction of COVID. Mm-hmm. I know like coronavirus will always be something that goes down in the history books is, you know, sad and scary, but there's so much beauty to it too. I think it will always be a time for my family that they never, forget. Yeah. they will never forget those, those months that we spent inside our house. You know, I, it, it was so magical almost to the kids to be able to have everyone home yeah. and to give that family time that you know, just, it pared down everything. I heard on a different podcast, it was like Maria Kondoing our yeah. life. 
like (laughs) blocking out all the things we didn't need and just really focusing on relationships and things that matter and yeah and gratitude for what we have and gratitude yeah Yeah. didn't she say like if it doesn't make you happy let it go if it doesn't bring you joy tell it thank you and let it go (laughs) that's awesome okay well um we would love to hear about your special Courtney um her story is just it's an amazing story. It's a story of love and of trust and of really hard things and just giving your heart to the Lord. Um, would you mind sharing I would be, some of Courtney I am with always us? always honored to talk about my girl. <laughs> uh, so my husband and I have been married for five years when we had our second child. Um, Jonathan was born um, in November and Courtney was an August baby. We miscarried before Jonathan and we miscarried in between Jonathan and Courtney. And so Courtney was our, what they call a rainbow baby. I, I didn't know the term at the time. We didn't really have that in 1992, but she was our rainbow. Yeah. And um, she came into the world. I was so thrilled to have a girl. I have having grown up with all the boys and um, I couldn't mm-hmm. wait for her to be here. And so when she was born, everything was fine. Um, it was five hours of labor. It was the best labor and delivery. After 36 hours with her brother, I was like, this is awesome. Um, wow. you know, I, could this, I could do this. Um, she nursed right away. I mean, everything, I think God gave me that experience because he knew what was coming and he wanted me to be mm-hmm. able to look back at the beginning with joy. And so she was five weeks old. And on the day of her baptism, she began to have what we call grandma seizures. And so they're intractable seizures, which means they were never under control. She had them every single day of her life, um, save maybe about 20, 25 days throughout 22 years of here of living. And, um, she got to the point where she would have these seizures would go on 15, 20 minutes and she would stop breathing for a minute or two and then take a breath and go for five more minutes of pulsating and, you know, all parts of her body um, moving and her heart rate accelerating. And and then she would turn blue again, and then she would take a breath. And it was basically for 22 years living in crisis management in the middle of a medical Mm -hmm. ICU unit, but it was our home and it was our life. And you never knew when she was going to have a seizure, you could be in the middle of mass. You could be in the middle of a doctor's appointment in the middle of the grocery store, buying groceries. And, um, it was very hard in the beginning, especially because Jonathan was only three and here's his sister making all of these, you know, basically screaming out, making all this noise, uh, gyrating and people would, would stare and it would scare him. And mm-hmm. it was just, it's a lot of trauma is what it was. And, yeah. and what Courtney brought to our lives was this recognition of who God is, um, and our relationship with God. So she was kind of a wrecking ball to my marriage in the best of ways because Jerry and I had come into our marriage, both with hidden addictions. We didn't realize it at the time because we were, we were just walking our own path. Neither one of us felt worthy of love. It was the foundational woundedness that we brought in from our families of origin. Not that my parents didn't love me, but we just, I just didn't felt worthy of love. And Jerry, for other reasons, felt Mm -hmm. the same, but we didn't know that either. And then, so we come in and we're wounded and I have an addiction to food. And Jerry, um, I discovered right around, I guess Courtney was about a year old, year and a half old, has an addiction to pornography. Now we have these addictions because in our own woundedness, 
we, that's where we went to, to forget about things. You know, we went to those places to, to handle the emotions that we didn't, couldn't put words to and didn't know what to do with. And so when Courtney Mm -hmm. came along and crisis came along, what crisis will reveal in your marriage is the strength of that bond and that foundation. And what we realized was um, we didn't have, you know, as strong a marriage as we thought. And we were two very wounded and weak people that needed to get right with God. But we didn't know that for a very long time. And so we were in survival mode. You know, we, we just entered into survival mode. I remember specifically when Courtney was nine months old, we had given her a medication at seven months that the doctors had asked us, you know, they, they said would, would help stop the seizures. And we were very hopeful. And we did all the pre-evaluation tests to make sure she wasn't allergic to anything. And everything came up roses. It was all like, oh, this is an answer. We've got an answer. And we gave her the medication and it was a steroid-based medication. And on the third day, you have to give it gradually and you can't stop giving it. So you actually have to like continue all the way through the 10 days. But on the third day, she had an allergic reaction. Her body could no longer take the dosage she was receiving and her brain swelled and her body went septic and she ended up in the ICU. And they actually still had to continue to balance the steroid, bringing her off the steroid while trying to heal her brain. It was the most horrific experience. And what happened from that is our daughter, most of her disabilities existed because of that, because of the brain damage done by that medication. And it made her blind. She lost her sight. And we came out of that hospital visit even in more crisis than when we went in. And so two years later, two months later, pardon me, we found ourselves at Hopkins with the best doctors in the United States um, dealing with uh, pediatric neurology. And, um, the doctor, I remember he was the lead at, at Hopkins. They had just made a movie about him on the, you know, the Hallmark channel. Uh, he, he, one of his uh, patients, um, was a, a director's son in California and he had started the ketogenic diet that is so popular today. The keto diet, it actually, yes, really, he, he and his nurse were, um, they, they began that as a neurological a natural neurological help. So Courtney actually was on the ketogenic diet for two years when she was little, um, because we found that when your body goes into a ketosis, it stops seizures. So, um, yeah, what are the benefits of the keto diet? So now of course it's all the rage for weight loss, but back then it was not Mm -hmm. known at all except for in the neurological world. So this was right before we put her on that. And I remember he came in and he sat down on the bed and he said, this is the deal. You know, um, I want you and your husband to get into marriage therapy because 80% of all families that have a child with disability, 80% of marriages end in divorce. And right now this current statistic is 84%. Um, and he goes, you're going to have to fight for one another. She will never walk. She will never talk. Um, she will never see your face again. Uh, There's nothing we can do to reverse this damage. Um, You know, you're going to have to make a decision. Do you want her to be at home? Do you want to put her in a nursing home? Um, And he handed me pamphlets from a nursing home, your specialized care. Um, You know, you have to make all of these decisions. And here I was in a rocking chair, rocking my nine-month-old baby girl, still bald as a billiard ball, you know, sucking on her pacifier, sound (laughs) asleep. 
and looking perfectly normal, you know, and so at wow. peace. And I, I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, what, what are you saying to me? And my husband had, was not there at that moment. He had gone down to pay the hospital bill because we were in the military. And what we found out was none of what was covered, none of what we had just gone through in the last week in this research unit was covered. And so at that oh point, goodness. we did we didn't know about advocacy or anything like that. Um, as far as having a social worker advocate for you, um, he had just gotten off the bank to get a fifteen thousand dollar loan to pay the bill, so that we could be released. Wow. So all of this is happening at oh once. So you have financial crisis, you have personal crisis, in addiction, you have a medical crisis for a child, and then you have a three year old sitting at home, four year old at that point, um, going, yeah. "Where's mom and dad? And where's my sister? And what is happening?" And so two weeks later, he got kicked out of preschool for biting because he was so angry. He didn't know what to do with all the feelings. So you're yeah. talking about like our lives were burning down. And at that point, mm -hmm. my husband was a Lutheran and I was Catholic, born and raised Catholic. He, you know, was a good man, Christian man, but he was like, take the kids to church, do whatever you need to do because he was in the Navy. He was gone so much. And so he really wasn't, didn't have a deep, um, relation, personal relationship with the Lord. And I was just bad. I was just mad at God. Like, how could you do this? And so yeah. as yeah. we went through the next couple of years, these addictions were revealed, the crisis got worse and worse and worse. And out of a sense of fear, um, about year five, year seven, actually, um, I entered his addiction with him because I was afraid he would leave. Mm -hmm. And I had two kids, one of whom had mm -hmm. severe disabilities and I thought I can't raise them on a Walmart salary, you know, like I got to make this work. And so fear pushed me further yeah. into the darkness and into the addiction with him. And we were like that for about five to seven years, somewhere in there. The timeline gets blurrier, the older I get, I'm like, it was five to seven years. But, <laughs> and we would just survive. You know, we went to church every Sunday. Nobody knew. My parents didn't know. Uh, our neighbors yeah. didn't know. Nobody knew that we were living a complete lie. Um, and that, you know, we were one crisis away from completely burning up, you know, everything being destroyed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we came to a moment in time where um, one night uh, he was viewing pornography. We had been intimate and he called out somebody else's name from the what he had viewed in, in pornography and he didn't realize yeah. it. And my answer to that was to go to the kitchen and bake three dozen brownies and eat two dozen of them and then try to go and vomit like a good bulimic would because the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain was so deep and so dark that that was the only way I could think to not take my life. You know, I, I couldn't take my life because my daughter needed me. You know, I say all the time, Courtney yeah. and Jonathan mm. saved us. And I mean that in the most foundational ways. Because if I wasn't their mother, yeah. and if I didn't know that they needed me so much, I might have made a very different choice in that period of my life. And so I mm -hmm. found myself in the bathroom trying to throw up, and I was never very good at it. And, uh, you know, just not something I <laughs> excelled at. And Jerry came in, he, he, he found me there, and he was upset with me. He was like, what are you, what are you doing? What's going on? What is happening? And, and I just lost it, you know, and it wasn't a screaming match. It was just a weeping. It was a crying out for help. And I told mm -hmm. him, I said, you did this and you promised me 
that would never happen. And you promised me, you know, that if I did this with you, that this would happen and this would happen. And and you've been lying and this is awful and we're awful people. Mm -hmm. And this is not what marriage is. And this is not what a family is. And, and I hate you and you hate me and, and I don't want to be here anymore and you don't want to be here anymore. But yet, you know, there was no divorce in our families. Our, our parents had unique, but very strong marriages. You know, they had their weaknesses as well, but I didn't want to quit. I didn't want to be a loser that, you know, that got divorced. That, that is not a judgment on anybody else. That's just how I felt about myself. And I didn't want to be that person. And, and so I told him, I said, right now, right now in this moment, you, you have to make a decision and that's either accept me as I am and love me for me or pack your bags and go because the pain of leaving that moment, the pain of coming out of that place was less than the pain of remaining. And that pushed me to the point where I had the courage to stand up for myself and to stand up for him because I loved him. Yeah. And to say to him, him. you have Mm -hmm. to choose us. And he was stunned. I'll never forget the look on his face. He had no recognition or realization that it was that bad. He did not know what he Mm -hmm. had done in that intimate moment. It didn't, didn't register with him and it crushed him. He sat down next to me and I wept in a way that uh, only happened one other time in my life. And that was at the moment of my daughter's death. And it was a total breaking of Mm -hmm. me and a breaking of our marriage. And yet in that moment, God was so present because he was who we called out to. I said, we have to go see a priest. We have to go to confession. We have to make this right. We have to go get help. We have, what do we do? Who do we tell? And of course you're talking about you know, this is the early, late 1990s, very early 2000. Nobody was talking about pornography. No, it was the greatest shame that yeah. ever existed. It's just what guys did, you mm-hmm. know, strip clubs, porn movies, stag parties. It was just part of the military culture. Yeah. It was just, you know, and exactly. jokes on TV. It's all over um, Friends and all the TV shows we watched in the 90s. It was just a funny joke. It was just, it was a funny just joke. what guys did. Yeah. It's, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with you as a woman. Yeah. It has nothing to do with him as a man mm-hmm. and this objectification of yeah. your most intimate life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had no place to go. There was nowhere to go. So we went to our pastor and <laughs> that meeting really could have been a sitcom episode because he was totally unprepared. Like we came in there and I was like, father, we're dealing with this. And I just vomited the first 11 years of our marriage. Like, here you go. And he was just like, uh, okay. All right. All right. Sure. Okay. (laughs) You know, like he didn't, he didn't know what to do. And by the grace of God, he sat there with us and he's like, okay, let's everybody take a breath here. Praise the Lord. You're here. Okay. (laughs) I will hear Mm -hmm. each of your confessions after we, we talk. And you know, he, He didn't know what to do and he didn't have any resources to send us to, but we could see him and he recommended marriage counseling. He recommended individual counseling. And so we began that journey and it took us 12 years from beginning to end to climb out of that pit 
and to come to a place of complete healing. And all this time, our daughter's still having seizures. Her, her life is still what mm-hmm. it is. Jonathan is still struggling with trauma and post-traumatic stress and depression, but it wasn't diagnosed. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still dealing with Mm -hmm. my addiction to food. Jerry, now that he'd acknowledged his addiction to porn and to sex, he had to get right, you know, and there were, there was nobody to see. And so, um, Mm -hmm. we had a night with our best friends, um, Deacon Marks and my best friend, Christine, they were parishioners at our parish. And you know, when you meet people at your parish and you're like, gosh, I'd love to have breakfast with you. You guys look like fun. You know, they had, um, they Mm -hmm. put a note on our van, our wheelchair van one Sunday after mass and said, we have maple bacon. We'd love to have you come for brunch now. And all Jerry needed was maple bacon. He's like, yeah, where, where do they live? Where are we going? This is great. You said bacon. You said bacon. We're in. And that invitation (laughs) led, has led to a 20 plus year relationship with two of the finest people I have ever had the privilege of knowing. And they had no idea what they were getting into. (laughs) That's so cool. So there's so many things I hear in your story. One is we talked about on our last podcast, um, how sin and the evil one wants us to stay in the dark. Because the longer we're in the dark, the harder it is to tell anyone, the harder it is to make any change or to, um, you know, just saying it once mm-hmm. out loud is so hard when you're in that position. And the fact that you were able to go and bring it into the light and go to confession and let it go. And then the your sweet friends, the Lord put something on their heart and they acted on it. Can yeah. you imagine like just to be able to act on that and say, God wants me to spend time with him today. This, this cute little couple that's at mass, they, they need us today. And then to go and put that on your car, just the beauty that came out of those two acts and how hard that must've been for each one of them. It's, you know, you're absolutely right. When you say what comes to the light can never go back in the darkness. And that is with habitual sin and with addiction, that is the most courageous thing that any, anybody who's suffering from that does. Mm -hmm. They make the decision to step into the light and because in the light, you have to see your life in truth. You know, we had a lot of work to do, Mm -hmm. but God in his infinite wisdom and grace Mm -hmm. provided us a, with something to fight for, which was our children and the love we had for one another, because we did love one another. We had just gotten into this place of objectifying and using the other instead of loving the other. Mm -hmm. And then he gave us, this Mm -hmm. beautiful couple and family to travel with us. They weren't afraid. I mean, I'll never forget the time we sat down and they were like, something's going on. Do you, do you, do you need prayer for something? And I mean, that's how it started. And we just walked right in and just laid it all out and they didn't run away. They didn't run away. They fought for us. Mm -hmm. They prayed with us. They prayed over us. They walked with us and they walked with us through the journey of Jonathan in college being diagnosed with depression and anxiety and that five years of therapy to deal with all the trauma he had suffered in his life because of his parents and, and because his sister was disabled and the decision I, we made not to have any other mm-hmm. children at a very young age. And, and he bore the brunt of all of that. You know, the day he buried his sister, I'll never forget looking at his face and, and that decision to get my tube site at the age of 25 going against the church's teaching, not being in a very good 
spot as a Catholic and not being well-informed in my faith, that had consequences 25 years later, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that showed up again. Mm -hmm. It was right there in my face that nobody knew what this boy was going through because there was nobody else that could stand with him that had experienced what he had experienced. So Mm. it's, it's not just bringing it into the light, but when it comes into the light, it's being able to handle the truth of it. It's being able to walk through the shame Mm -hmm. of it and to let go of the shame and to allow the mercy and grace of God and his forgiveness to sweep through your life, because that's what the hope of the resurrection is. Mm -hmm. You know, people ask me all the time, you're so joyful. You're so filled with hope. Yeah. Because Jesus rose from the dead and he gave me a shot at heaven. You know, like whatever I have done Mm. or will do, he already died for that. He paid a price. He loved me that much. The least I can do is try to love him back equally, which I will never be able to do. It's not Mm. possible, but I'm going to try. And that's what our children taught us. They taught us to fight for something greater than ourselves. And our friends stepped in and they Mm. were the face of Christ to us. And they showed us how to fight for something greater than ourselves and our spiritual directors stood with us and our parish community stood with us. And as Courtney, we walked her toward the end of her life. The last seven years of her life were astoundingly beautiful because her mom and her dad had Mm -hmm. gotten their stuff together. By then we had gone and learned about theology of the body. We had had a miraculous healing of our marriage We had renewed our vows. We had renewed our covenant. Our son was, you know, beginning his walk through his issues. And our daughter's house was the best it could ever be because she knew and God knew that Jonathan needed us then. And so he provided a time of stability with Mm. Courtney that we were able to meet the need of our other child. And then on December 27th, 2014, on the feast of St. John, the beloved, the one, uh, God favored the one who Mm. never left him, the one who remained at the base of the cross with his mother. That day is the day Mm. God chose to bring my daughter home to him. And it was the most beautiful moment of my life and the Mm. most horrific moment of my life because the beauty to know that my daughter who had been blind for 22 years would open her eyes for the first time to see Jesus. I mean, that's what we want as parents. You want your children in heaven and nothing, not even my grief can overcome that moment of hope and of healing. And it was the worst Mm -hmm. day of my life because I knew as I held her, as the breath left her, I would never hold my daughter again. I would never hear her heartbeat. I would never see her beautiful blue eyes. I would never hear her laughter. I would never hear her humming. I would never feel the weight of her on my chest. And for a mother, that is a moment of absolute abject horrificness. Despair comes to mind Mm -hmm. because you have loved this child with your life. You know, she could not do anything Mm -hmm. for herself. And so we did everything for her. We loved her with our very bodies, with our life. And then in literally a breath, it was all over. And you're left with this gaping hole of who am I? What am I supposed to do? Why did God allow this to happen? Could I have done something differently? Did we love her 
you know, all the way to the end? Was there something that we, I mean, all of those questions, they all happen Mm -hmm. in milliseconds. And by the grace of God at that point, we had been seven years into our full healing as a couple and as a family. And my husband stood next to me on that night. He looked at me and he goes, Mary, we have done everything we can do. We have done everything we can do. There is nothing mm-hmm. more we could have done for this child. Nothing more that we could have done for her. We've done it all. We've left it all on the battlefield. And God can have her because she was always his. She never belonged to us. She was always his. We just got the privilege to love her for a little while. And so on the day we buried her, I remember standing at her grave, looking at my husband, looking at my son saying, let us never forget. Let us never forget the lessons this child taught us. She saved our life. She showed us Mm -hmm. how to love. She showed us the face of Christ. She brought people who had never prayed, who had never had an experience with the Lord to their knees in intercession for her. Her life was a Mm. miracle. Yeah. Pure love. She was just pure love all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Okay, friends, we're going to stop it right there. And I hope you come back next week to hear the rest of Mary's story. She's going to tell us the story of when she took Courtney to Lourdes. It is hysterical and beautiful and wonderful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. She also talks about uh, what to do if you're in a situation like she was, if you're dealing with pornography in your marriage and how to get help. So I hope you'll be there with us, and I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.